I've been asking God, I suppose not really asking, but I've been listening, what is God saying? And we've, we've spent a week praying and fasting, but the thing that's coming out more and more is about vision. It's about what do you see? Uh, there's a few scriptures that I want to mention. The first thing is this. We have the scripture in Isaiah 43, 18 to 19, where God says, Behold, I am doing something new. Do you not perceive it? What is perception about? It's about vision. Do you recognize that God in 2023 in Hope Church is saying, guys, I'm doing something new. And if we go back just three years, remember COVID, the beginning of COVID was the beginning of God saying, I'm doing something new. From COVID onwards, everything's changed. I don't know whether you've noticed. Politics have changed. Uh, finance has changed. A whole load of stuff has changed from that point. And God says, I'm doing something new. Do you not perceive it? And the question this morning is, do you perceive it? Do you see what he's doing? And then he says, forget the former things. Now here's... It ties in with Michelle's word. You know, we can't move forward if we're constantly looking behind. One of the things I had to tell my children when they were younger was, look where you're going. <laughs> you ever had that with kids? Look where you're going. They'd walk into all kinds of stuff. And the thing is, if you walk along and you're constantly looking over your shoulder over what's gone, you'll never see it. You've got to let go. You've got to let go. And, and there's a really powerful word for some of you in it this morning, that unless you let go of disappointment in the past, unless you let go of somebody did something to you and you've been hurt, unless you let go of the trauma and the stuff that you've gone through, unless you're willing to let go you're not going to perceive what God has for you because you're going to be focused on the wrong thing. It's like Laura was saying, you know, you, a, a cat, when it focuses on its prey, it's focusing on nothing else. It is a single vision. It's looking at one thing. It's not looking at anything else. And here's the thing, that the stuff God calls us to in something new is impossible, humanly speaking. Now, I'm glad about that. I'm glad that as a human people, we can't do it because it needs the stamp of God on it. God is the one who does it. Now, there's a scripture that we all know well. Norma shared it in our, one of our prayer meetings. Let me just get there. Ezekiel. You'll know this scripture, but it just ties in. It's in chapter 37. And we're going to read from 1 to chapter 14. I love this. This is Ezekiel. The hand of the Lord was on me. Let me just make a comment there. We need God's hand to be on us. It's not about us conjuring up a vision. It's not about us making things happen. It's about this whole thing, unless the Lord builds a house. And it says here, the hand of the Lord was on me. And, and there's a big challenge there. We've got to give him space. 
If you ask the folks who've been at the prayer meeting every day this week, they will tell you that all of a sudden, in some of the meetings, the hand of the Lord was upon us. And you know what? It's dead easy to prophesy. It's dead easy to have faith. It's dead easy to proclaim stuff. Once the hand of the Lord is upon you, everything becomes easy. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. Imagine that. Just picture it for a moment. Here's the Lord. He's taking you somewhere. Think, wow, this is going to be great. You see this valley, and it's full of bones. Well, that's not so great. Valley of bones? What are we going to do with a valley of bones? If you play Minecraft, you could train loads of dogs. Only Minecrafters will get that one. And he says, He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, and the bones were very dry. And he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And that is my question for you this morning. That is the question I believe that God wants to speak to you this morning. Can these bones live? What are the bones? Well, the bones are whatever God has shown you. Can they live? And then he's brilliant. Ezekiel's brilliant. He said, I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. It's easy, isn't it? You know, often we pray and we say, Lord, If it's your will, and it kind of gets us out of having to make any decision. It's a bit fatalistic, really. Lord, if it's your will, then it will. If it's not your will, it won't. And he's doing this. He's saying, Sovereign Lord, you know. And then he says, Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Have you noticed he's moved on a stage? He's gone from seeing a valley of dry bones to God saying, can they live? And he says, well, you know. And then God's saying, I want you to prophesy that they will live. And let me tell you, you wouldn't do that until you believe that they can live. Or maybe it was a situation where he kept prophesying until he felt the faith. Until he felt it. Until he felt it. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you, make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Wow. Can you imagine that? Seeing a whole load of bones... And the tendons come, and the flesh comes, and the skin comes, and all the stuff comes on. I mean, wow, bit of a horror movie. So I prophesied as I I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked, and the tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. It's not just enough to prophesy, we need to push through until there is life in it, that God brings the life. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. 
So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath entered them. They came to life and stood up to their feet, a vast army. Amazing thing. A vast army. So I want to ask you this morning, what do you see? Somebody said in the prayer meeting this week that every day of prayer is like going to the optician. I went with my daughter yesterday, and you know they put those funny glasses on you. I'm going to get a pair, you know. I never have to go back again then. I can just put my own things in. Look a bit retro. But you put those in, and they say, can you see? And you kind of get not really, and they put some stuff in. Can you see? Oh, not quite, and they twiddle around. Is it clearer this way, or is it not? Is it sharper this way, or like that? And they keep going until you can read that bottom line, say, now you can see. And somebody said this week that the 21 days of prayer and fasting is God putting the lenses in front of our eyes until we can see. Every night we get together, we're praying, and what is God doing? He's saying, hey, what can you see? What can you see? What can you see? What can you Because he wants us to have clear vision. And here's the thing. Once you can see, then you can say, what does God say about it? It's not just seeing it. It's then asking the question, God, what do you say about what we can see? And then it moves on to what are you going to say about it? What are you going to say? And more than that, what are you going to prophesy that will happen? Prophesying takes faith. It means I've heard what God said and I'm going to speak it out. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, I believed, therefore I have spoken. You, you see the order. First I believed and then I spoke. God wants to do something new. We had the scripture that we are the aroma of Christ. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 to 16. We are those people who are supposed to have a spiritual impact on those around us. Now, have you noticed he didn't say you are the word of Christ? He didn't say you are the voice of Christ. He said you are the aroma of Christ. Have you ever given somebody a hug? And then you kind of get the aroma. Yeah. For some people it's good. For some people not so good. And 2 Corinthians tells us actually with the aroma of Christ, we smell differently for those who are being saved and those who are not being saved. To some, we're a really bad smell. Why? Because they don't want Jesus. To others, we're a really good smell. But the whole idea behind it, it's not just what we say, it's who we are. It's our whole life, our whole being. It is what we are that makes that difference. You know, so often in our evangelism and in our Christian witness, we think it's all about what we say. Let me tell you, it is 10% about what we say. 10%. The rest of it is about who you are. We have impact with our neighbors, with our family, with our friends in our workplace because of who we are. 
It is that spiritual aroma that is emanating out of us. You know, you can tell sometimes in 10 seconds when you meet somebody about whether you're going to like them or not like them or what they're like because there is an aroma coming out. We're spiritual beings. You ever had that? You walk in, you meet someone, there's an instant connection. You walk in, you meet somebody and you're inside, someone's saying, stay away. It's the aroma. It's the aroma that comes out of who we are, and we are the aroma of Christ. Christ is in us. He is uh, working inside of us and changing us and transforming us. And so that when people meet us, there is this aroma. And, and let's be fair here. He is saying that for some people, they're not going to like it. They're not going to like you. And it's not that you think, oh, I'm a bad Christian. That person doesn't like me. No, it's because they don't like Christ. If people do not like Jesus, then they're not going to like those who are following him. We had a word many moons ago. This was before COVID when we went away as a leadership team. I don't know. I think Michelle gave this. And it was, it, it, it really reminds me of, of going back to a hippie word in the 60s and 70s, be a sunflower. Yeah. But do you know what a sunflower does? Do you know why they're called sunflowers? Because the whole day, wherever the sun is, they're facing the sun. Doesn't matter where they are. Where the sun is, it's facing. And the word that we got was this, be a sunflower. Why am I saying this? Well, if we're going to have the aroma of Christ, if we're going to be filled and move in the power of God, we're only going to do it if we are constantly gazing upon Jesus, if we're constantly connected to Jesus. And it means it has nothing to do with how many meetings we go to. It means about whether we're connected to Jesus all day long. You know, it's possible. It is possible to be at work and to know the presence of Jesus Christ. It is possible. Why am I saying it's possible? Because sometimes we think it's just about being churchy in church meetings. God wants us to be a mighty army. He's going to breathe in. He's going to equip. He's going to give us everything that we need. He's going to work in and through us. And I want to encourage you this morning. It is about vision. What do you see? There is too much of the world that takes up our time. And I'm not on about our jobs. We have to do our jobs. I'm on about the other things that the world uses, the television, the entertainment. You know, the whole entertainment industry of television, online, computer and stuff takes up an inordinate amount of time in people's lives. And if that is what we are constantly consuming, then that is what we're going to be reflecting to other people. We need the aroma of Christ. We need to spend time in being with Jesus. I'll, I'll make a confession. Yesterday, so yesterday was Saturday, we were here in the church in the morning cleaning up. Thank you, by the way, to everybody who helped for that. And in the evening, we had the prayer meeting. And as I was getting ready to come to the prayer meeting, for the first time in a long time, I had a real sense of joy fill me. 
It's been a while, I thought, man, it's been a while since I felt joy in going to a prayer meeting. I've done it more. I need to get to the prayer meeting. And you know what? There is no agenda in the prayer meeting. We, we just get together, say a few words, get going, and it's just about us praying what's on our heart. And if we don't know what to pray, saying, Lord, we need more of you. It's been so encouraging this week seeing what God will do. We've got two more weeks to go. Two more weeks of prayer and fasting, and I believe God is going to totally realign our vision. I think he's going to make it clear. What does that mean? It means that you might have a really clear purpose that God wants you to invest in. Let me mention one more thing. When God gives us a vision... When God shows us something, very often we say, I can't do this. Let me ask you a question. I want you to put your hand up. This is a question I want you to put your hand up. How many of you could run a full marathon tomorrow? Just stick your hand up. Well done, John Helen. Yep, and Ralph. We'll pray for you later. Okay, let me change the question. If we brought in a marathon fitness expert who coached you for an entire 12 months, how many of you think you could complete a marathon? Yeah. I would hazard a guess that most of us would be able to complete it. I'm not on about how quick you would be. But I'm on about that we would be able to do it. Now, why am I saying that? I'm saying that because when God calls us, there is also a preparation that is needed before we can move in the power of what he calls us to. If God calls you into a ministry, be it prophetic, be it pastoral, be it evangelistic or teaching, it requires some preparation, some coaching, some help so that we can get there. That's why we are together as a body. And what he wants to do, he wants to say to you, look, I'm going to give you a vision of what you want to do, but you are going to need other people in this congregation who are going to help coach you along the way so that you can get there. Now, I like that. I am able to do what I do because the last 35 years, God has been teaching me. And sometimes, like this year, I get up and think, you know what, Lord, everything else can go. I just feel like I'm starting again. It's not about being the finished product at the very first time you go. Nobody gets the first product right. Not Apple, not Google, not Microsoft. Nobody. There's not a single car model that is out there when it is first introduced that doesn't have some recall because something wasn't quite right. And I want to say to you this morning, God has a plan. I think especially of you young people here at the front, God's got a plan for you. Yep, and the man at the end. God has a plan for you. You know, there's a calling, Theodore, there's a calling on your life. Girls, there's a calling on your life. But it requires a willingness to say, Lord, here I am. The people that we see in the Bible that we would see as great men and women of God, there's only one thing that they did. They said, Lord, here I am. 
Mary, mother of Jesus, what did she say? Let what you've said be done. Joseph, what did he say? Lord, I'm going to do what you have commanded. Ezekiel, what did he do? Well, you said it, you've commanded it, I will prophesy it, and it happened. It's about a willingness to say, Lord, I'm here, whatever you want to do. But it does require you need to let go of the past. You need to focus on Jesus. You need to zone into Jesus, not everything else. And then you need coaching and equipping and training to help you move forward. And that's where I come in. That's where the church leadership comes in. Our gifts are here to prepare the church for a work of service. We are here to help you. If there is any area you think, you know what, God's called me to do this. I don't know how to do it. Come and see me. I will sit down and I will help you to the best of my ability and I will get other people in to help you that I know have gifts in that area to help you to get there. Let me just give you an example. This year, we, we've been chatting in the leadership about doing a mission this year around Easter time, an evangelistic event outside to reach out to people. The problem is that... I've not seen an evangelistic gift and operation in the church. And that doesn't mean they're not here. just means that I've not seen that. And so I'm enlisting the help of evangelists I know to come and give us a hand. And they will ignite the gift of evangelism and those who are evangelists here. And we will then fan that into flame to keep that going. It's quite simple, really. But it needs a willingness on us not to discount ourselves, not to look at the past and say, Lord, here I am. And it doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter what your history is. God has a plan. And God wants to fulfill that plan in and through us so that this world will see that Jesus is the light. Now, I'm, I'm encouraged I am really encouraged. I want to encourage you. We've got two weeks left of this prayer and fasting. And I want to encourage you. I'm, I'm not saying come every night if you can't come. But when you know you can come, I want to encourage you to come. God has been ministering to people during that time. I'm going to pray. And in that prayer, I'm going to ask you, if you are willing, if you're willing for God to use you no matter what, and let me tell you that no matter what, maybe as God did with me, he says, I want you to go to India. I don't think he will because we need missionaries here in the UK. He might ask you to go to Willenall. You never know. <laughs> but God does the calling and we just say, yeah, Lord. And so I'm going to pray that. And during that prayer, I'm going to ask if you are really willing to say, Lord, whatever you want to do, I'm here, then I'm going to ask you to stand at that point. Let's just close our eyes for a moment. Father, we come this morning. We come because you have called us as the people of God in Stone Cross in West Bromwich. And Father, we come this morning knowing that you have more than we have ever seen still to do and available in terms of gifts and power and ministry. And Father, as you are realigning our vision over these next two weeks and the week that's just gone, 
We want to say to you that we're available. And I'm going to ask if you are available for God, if that is your heart, I want you to stand with me this morning. Just where you are, you stand. And so, Lord, you see us. You see our heart. Lord, you, you do. You see our heart. And, and, you know, as you're standing, some of you might be quite fearful. And I just want to allay that by saying to you, the Lord will not take you into something where you will be fearful. He will give you an inner confidence that you can do it. Yeah, you might get nervous. That's different. But he will give you an inner confidence that you can do what he has called you to do. And I want to say this morning that every situation in your life, every experience, every trauma, every knock, every falling down and getting up, everything in your life, every mountaintop and every valley has been part of God's training to prepare you for the unique calling that he has for your life. Nobody can do what you can do because there has been a unique preparation in your life. And Father, as we stand this morning, I want to pray that you would put your love into our hearts this morning. And as your love comes in, that we would see in faith that all things are possible. It's possible because Christ gives me strength. And so I pray this morning, Lord, pour out your spirit. Pour out your spirit and use us, Father. And Father, I pray that we would be a fulfillment of Ezekiel's prophecy, that we would be a vast and mighty army, prepared for anything that you would have us do so that we can see God's kingdom ushered in in Stone Cross and see people turn to Jesus because of the amazing power at work in his army. So Lord, I commit us to, to you. I also pray today that you would protect us from the evil one. He will try to upset you. He will try to stop you. He will try to scupper you. But you have the authority to say, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. And every time you sense his attack, you say, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. And the Lord will work in and through you. And so may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. And may the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.